Welcome to the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast. We share sermons, teachings, and messages from St. Barnabas Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm Father Andrew, the senior pastor at the church, and I'm glad you're listening today. You're always invited to worship in person on Sunday mornings at 8 and 10 a.m. and on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. You can also visit us online at stbarnabas.us. That's S-T-B-A-R-N-A-B-A-S dot U-S. And now, enjoy the podcast. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. On our home television, when the TV uh, kind of fades out, we have a screensaver set uh, whereby all of the um, photos that we take that are uploaded to the ever nebulous cloud uh, will scroll through every few seconds. We always enjoy knowing that not only our photos are safe, but many that we haven't seen in quite some time uh, will pop up, and it's great to recount the moments that they capture. Our girls, uh, who are both three and five, also enjoy this. Uh, Sometimes they take great interest, and they look at the photos that pop up, and they'll say things such as, that was when we went to the aquarium with Dee Dee and Papa, and I liked that fish because it was this color. Or perhaps they'll see one that pops up and say, that's when we went to our great-grandmother's house and we planted uh, tomatoes out in her garden as they see a photo of themselves in the sun hats from the sun. Sometimes, though, photos pop up um, that they don't recall as well, but they no less try to identify them. Many of those are baby photos. And with every photo that pops up, they'll say, that was me as a baby. 50% of the time, they're right. Um, The other half of the time, usually it's sister. If I'm honest with you, sometimes I have to give it a second look as well. And then other times, photos will pop up that they have no recognition of. Maybe it's an extended relative or a friend, myself or uh, Michelle, who they've not interacted with. And it usually prompts a question from my three-year-old as she says, who's him or who's her? And usually I can say, that's daddy's friend or that's mommy's friend, but Uh, If our five-year-old gets involved, that never quite suffices. She'll usually say, well, what were you doing? Who are they? What was happening? Why? And so I find myself quickly trying to figure out how to explain a snapshot with the relationship of the people they're in and all of the preceding moments that led up to it, whether it was uh, reconnecting with a long-lost friend and a photo over dinner or a hike that ends at a peak. Uh, Those are long since gone past in our photo archive, but there are many others that may pop up. And it's hard to articulate with great depth and detail all that is found therein. Maybe you've experienced similar things with uh, the younger ones in your lives as well. That came to mind this week because that question, to quote my three-year-old, who's him, is actually the question that we find in verse 10 from Matthew 21. Who is this? The crowds ask of Jesus. It's the hymn, or the hymn, it's the um, uh, the passage that we read um, that opens up Palm Sunday. So if you've got your Bible, uh, look back with me to Matthew 21, and let's just look at that as we answer for ourselves this day. 
Who is this? The question that is asked of Jesus, who's entering into Jerusalem. So to gather the snapshot, the photo, if you will, that Scripture gives us in this moment, we know that we're at the end of Matthew's Gospel. We know that we're in the final week of Jesus' life. And we know that um, they have journeyed from the north of Israel all the way down to Jerusalem with Jesus and the disciples. We pick up in Matthew 21 as they kind of round the bend after the twisting road from Jerusalem, uh, or from Jericho rather, down to Bethany, where Father Greg reminded us so wonderfully last week of the raising of Lazarus, um, of the wonderful moments that happened there. They've made their journey from Bethany, and they're um, now going to be at the peak of the Mount of Olives as they begin their final descent into the valley to the gates of Jerusalem. If you were here, you no doubt seen photos of the map and the pictures on the screens that we would have on Sundays. But uh, the joys of technology being what they are, uh, you can pull those up on a quick search engine if you'd like to see the moment and that place which is visually there before us in the Mount of Olives in our text. As they begin that descent, uh, we read in, in verses 1 and 2 that as they draw near, Jesus sends out um, the disciples, two disciples, to go and retrieve a donkey for him to ride on. Now, the weeks of walking that led to this point did not mean that Jesus is worn out and in these final half mile is ready to finally sit down. But rather, as Jesus had done with every breath and step leading up to this one, he fulfills all righteousness and all the prophecies that have gone before. And so we read, as Matthew captures in verse 5, that quotation from Zechariah, that prophecy from generations earlier, that saying uh, a proclamation to Zion, Behold, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast, a burden, as we heard. And so as Jesus um, sits on that donkey and begins his descent down into uh, the valley that then takes them in, into the gates of Jerusalem, this imagery is not lost on those around them. In fact, we read that many are beginning to pour out of Jerusalem, seeing uh, Jesus coming, um, seeing this imagery, and knowing what it fulfills. And so they have all their hopes and expectations placed on Jesus as they see him making his way towards Jerusalem. And so as we remember on Palm Sunday, um, they cut down palm branches and lay them at his feet. It's a sign long ago that even harkened back in its first form to Judas Maccabeus in those intertestamental books in the book of Maccabees, whereby um, they staved off the Roman Empire for just a brief moment, and in so doing, they um, hail Judas as king, Judas Maccabeus, not Judas Iscariot, and lay down palm branches at his feet. The imagery's rich. They're expecting Jesus to be such a king, such a conqueror, such a victor for them. But there's also a wonderful passing line that may be worth a bit of pause and a first lesson for us this morning. In addition to the palm branches, we read what? That they took off their clothes and they laid them on the donkey, or they laid them on the path before them. When we think about this, we don't give it much thought. But remember that in those days, one's cloak wasn't one that you'd go to the closet and you'd open up and look at all the coats therein and decide which one you'd put on today, um, as they're all bunched up and 
needing cleaned out, and at the end of the day, if it got messy, you just toss it in the wash and you'd be ready for the next day. But remember, in Jesus' day, the cloak was on that outer garment that served so many purposes. It was worn day in and day out. It was an essential uh, part of someone's uh, well-being. It might be doubling over as a cushion to sit on during the day, a pillow to lay one's head down at night, or even a blanket for some who didn't have um, extra amenities that they would use as they laid their head down for the day's rest. So to lay down their cloak on the dusty, muddy road that would be trodden was quite a sacrifice. In fact, even more so if you let your mind wander with all the things that perhaps that donkey had walked through as he would walk over their cloak in his uh, journey into Jerusalem. And so I think therein perhaps is a first lesson for us, that what people did was truly give or lay down their best in their expectations and in their hopes of this king, this Jesus, who they'd come out to meet. So as we um, think about the journey to the cross in the days to come, perhaps a question to reflect upon is this. What is your cloak? What is something that perhaps is of great value to you? That perhaps this week you could lay down before the Lord and subsequently open your heart up just a bit more to receive what he has for you. Perhaps um, it's being tested in these times. It doesn't take us much thought or imagination to identify our, our close, if you will, whether we stress over finances or whether we're um, making extra runs to pick up supplies that we deem more essential. Um, whatever those things may be, those are often kind of the cloaks that perhaps are on display, might we find ways to lay them down, uh, figuratively in a way, that we surrender and open our hearts a bit more to what Jesus may have for us. The reason that's so vital is because, um, in many ways, with their cloaks laid down, with their palm branches strewn forth, as they get closer to Jerusalem, um, and the momentum builds, as many pour out, we, we stumble upon that question. Who is this? Sort of quote my three-year-old. Who's him? What is he doing? And as Jesus gets closer to them, they say in a, in a way that um, really falls short, well, this is that prophet from the north that you've all heard about that's coming in to town. But as they've laid down their garments, as they've taken time away and pulled themselves out of their lives to come and greet Jesus, uh, what they're really doing is beginning to open themselves up and, and loft their prayers and their expectations upon Jesus as they toss their cloaks upon that donkey and upon the path. Their prayers and their hopes are in times of trial, as the Roman Empire has its firm grip over the city of Jerusalem. And they've waited for generations for this king to fulfill Zechariah and come and set all things right. And they expect that Jesus will do this, and all their hopes and Prayers are fulfilled in this moment as they've placed them all right here and right now on those steps that lie before them. Interestingly, as God often does so mercifully, he doesn't wait for their intentions to be right, to meet the needs before them. But at the same time, his expectations um, often far exceed our own. Perhaps their end is something for us to reflect upon as well. But our prayers, wherever they may be, wherever their intentions may be, 
me. No doubt, um, God can and will meet them, but more often than not, he exceeds them in ways that we would not expect. So, for instance, our prayer, the one that's ever on our heart right now, is for the eradication of this illness. No one would have thought a month ago that I'd be preaching to you on a camera with palms of my feet rather than having you fill the sanctuary with palms of your hand. But here we are, and so that is our cry. Lord Jesus, fix this. And I believe he will. And he will set all things right. But perhaps, perhaps he wants to do something even greater than just eradicating an illness so that we can go back to life as we hope to have it once more. Maybe he hopes to eradicate a deeper illness, the illness and the effects of sin in our own hearts that sometimes are even magnified in days like these as we um, wrestle around with all of the bumps and foibles and faults that are on display among all the frustrations that are facing us right now. Maybe he wants to work on our own hearts, um, eradicating the effects of sin more fully as we lay our cloaks before him and offer our lives more fully that um, the illness that he wants to redeem is the illness of sin and death within our own hearts. It resides so closely and clings so closely that he wants to take away, as he does, as we remember, on the cross later this week. So today, wherever you are, and as you reflect in this day and the days to come upon what happened today, perhaps we can think first about what the cloaks are that we can lay down before Jesus because what we lay down often opens us up to what he has for us. That in his mercy and in his grace, he not only hears our, prayer, our prayers and receives them, but often exceeds them, doing what we cannot even fathom acts by setting things right in our hearts and our relationships, setting things right with him as we orient our lives back to him, and finding ways to redeem and restore us and all of creation, not just eradicating an illness, but eradicating the sickness and the pains of death that he will bring to completion upon his return. So today, wherever we are, we might we begin this journey by reflecting on what those cloaks are to which we cling so closely, so that by God's grace and mercy we might lay them down. And as we do so, might we open ourselves up a bit more fully to what Jesus has for us as he plans to heal, restore, and cleanse us all as we journey with him to the cross and find redemption on the other side. Know that as you journey with Jesus this week, you remain in my prayers, and I ask your prayers as I walk in with him as well. So that on the other side of Easter, our hallelujahs may be more clear, more heartfelt, and more full, as we recognize the King we hail as more than just one that meets our prayers, but exceeds our needs, and restores all of creation to us with it, so that our hearts may be more joyful on the other side of Easter and on the other side of this illness, so that as we resume life, we don't just resume it as it once was, but as God intended it, as we draw near to Him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week, and we'll see you next time. This episode of the St. Barnabas Anglican Church podcast is copyright 2020, St. Barnabas Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas, all rights reserved.